Ross Ellinger, face to face. Yep. Welcome to the show. Yep. Face to face. Yeah, you can wear a headset today. Oh, I, I usually do, but it's not hooked to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't different. have to let your computer load yeah. all afterwards. It's kind of different not looking at you guys through a computer screen for sure. Yeah. I feel like I know one room in your house really well because you always got to leave it up enough. His kitchen's really nice. <laughs> you got to find the one nice place. You go, oh, this one. This makes my shit Shove look a lot better. Shove your crap in the corner. I have to remember that. Make sure I don't walk around the house naked or <laughs> no, I, I mute or I turn the video off just in case. Because you might forget. <laughs> and we up. have a guest. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Shannon. She's in checking in on us. We're uh, we're sitting here at Wisconsin Bear Hunt Association. We got we actually uh, it worked out. I brought the whole staff this time, so we we uh, rented this room. Normally, this room's for their dinner. They have a dinner here, and they're not having a dinner this this year. So we got this room here set up, and I'm going to do a presentation. But anyways. Who's our guest? Chris Ellinger. Chris L. Ellinger. Yep. You yep. are of no relation. No. <laughs> Distant. <laughs> no, Chris my first cousin and a um, lot more, probably a lot more like a, a brother, especially when it comes to the hound side of stuff. And I, I'm sure there's people that have listened to me on your podcast before that know us and are like, well, he's not the one you should be talking to. Right. <laughs> Chris, is, Chris is the one you guys should be talking to. <laughs> So, you know, I, I was, wasn't sure if he'd be willing to do it or not, but, uh, he was, and I'm, and I'm glad cause you know, we've been, I mean, I, I've been running hounds my whole life and so has he, and he's the one that's made it easy, easy for me all these years. So, um, it'll be fun to talk to him a little bit about running some bears and, and stuff too. So, so yeah. have you been in it longer then, or did you guys get into it at the same time? I'm 46 years old, and I've been doing it as long as I can remember people. Oh, nice. Because my dad was nuts about it. Really? So. And would you start off hunting the bears? Yeah. I just turned up. I think your headset, I had it way down. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was better good. when you hear it through it's the good. speakers. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's technical good. stuff. We're doing it in person. We're not quite set up. But. Sure. Um, so what kind of dogs are you, you guys? Blue ticks. Blue ticks. Are you guys like dedicated blue ticks? Pretty much. You're committed. Blue tick guys are. <laughs> we, we've hunted other stuff and occasionally had different breeds, but we're not afraid to hunt anything, but we've always stuck with the blue ticks. It seems like in Wisconsin and, and a lot of places, I mean, blue ticks are big and plots are big. Yeah. I, I, I get whenever we're making our t-shirts, they're like, do we need to bring blue ticks? I'm like, oh yeah, we need yeah. to bring blue ticks. <laughs> you don't forget the plot shirts. When you come to Wisconsin, ticks. you don't forget the plot shirts, you don't forget the blue tick shirts. That's, <coughs> yeah, those are story. the two that I'm like, you, we got to bring those two. You can, you can skip the English and the red bone. We, we might piss off one or two customers, but we want to have blue ticks <laughs> and we want to have plots whenever we come to Wisconsin. Why do you think that is? What, what, what's, it's a little bit of a, is there a little bit of a rivalry or anything there? I mean, like you know, not not in bad form, but you know what I mean. Is it kind of a, a running joke or is it? Um, no, it's not, it not really. I mean, like I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I think it's just what you know. His dad and and um, our other uncle, who th they both started hunting at yeah. the same time, and we're pretty much hunting the same line of dogs now that that oh, yeah. they started with. And you know, you get to a point. 40 some years into this, uh, you know, we pretty much got our own line now. Yeah. It, pot committed. Yeah. yeah. It, well, and, and it just, it's 
cool to look at a dog in your truck and know that you hunted that dog's mom, that dog's dad, that yeah. dog's grandpa. Yeah. You know, it just, you know, people, other guys try to talk me into taking pups from them and stuff. And it's like, it's not that I don't that yeah, I necessarily no. think my dogs are any better than theirs, but it's just that sentimental value yeah. of those dogs in your truck. You know, it, yeah. it, you have a cool. connection, you have a deeper connection than, than just the color or the style or whatever. I mean, you, yeah. have, you, you, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I mean, I'm, I, I, the same way, like I'm looking at a dog and I was talking to my buddy Don, I'm like, what, what would I have to breed Shelby to? You know, cause it just comes back. It has that history. And I'm like, I'm not ready to just cut that off. You yeah. know, I only got one dog left with that in it. Yeah. And I'm like, so I, I totally understand what you're saying there. Cause I, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing right now. Like I really don't want puppies, but, but you don't want to lose the time is, is coming that I need to make a decision. Either should or get off the pot. Yeah. And, and I might end up breeding Shelby just, just for that reason. Cause it's like, well, if I don't make a decision in the next year or two, the answer is no. And I don't think I'll ever get another dog out of those dogs sure. that I started with, yep. you know, not that they're any better, or any worse, but they go back to like copper and yeah. Copper, Penny, Penny. Turk, you know, oh, Turk. Yeah. That's right. I always forget about Turk. Yeah. So, it, you know, when you start talking about the history of our dog, I mean, I, I, I suck at that. Like I'll remember. The, you're mean. <laughs> I, I'll remember my dog's parents, you know, some of the grant, but I mean, you get Chris going on history of them dogs where, you know, where they go back to the Smoky River dogs or the Sebastian dogs or whatever. I mean, he remembers all that shit and it's, I, well, let's start That's exactly there then. Because I'm like, <laughs> hey, hey, Don, um, I'm thinking about breeding Shelby. Who, who would you breed to? Just to, pick one. You, can you yeah. tell me? Because I, I don't know what, you know, I'm so, and I'm so focused on W half the time that it's just not a priority for me to, to know that. And so, so yeah, I totally, totally get that. So let's start with, Let's go over the history of your your dogs. What where did they start? Or what? So there was a guy, uh, Julius Sebastian, and he lived in Lower Michigan, but he had a cabin up in the UP. And my dad and uncle got their first dog from him, and he was a bear dog. Right. That was probably like what was the name? What was the dog's name? Sport. Sport. And this was circa what year? Seven long, long time ago. Yeah. He actually, before that, he got a dog named got a dog named Sheila from him. Before that, that had a real cold nose, but she didn't have any guts. Right. Um, and that would, I can remember that dog, but I would have been probably three or four at the time. Um, and then, but Sport was a bear dog. He was beat up all the time, and then that's just why they went with the with Julius's dogs because they had guts. Um, and then where this going on down quite a ways, we started to run, not get as good of stuff as we originally had. So back in like 93, we, there were some guys in lower Michigan hunting Smoky River dogs. Mm -hmm. And I thought, a lot of your blue ticks I've seen on, for bear dogs are junk. Yeah. I thought... It opened my eyes because I thought we had the only blue ticks that were decent bear dogs. <laughs> He's the only one. <laughs> <was> the yeah. <laughs> and I did not really, I'm like, oh, they're just going to be a bunch of coon dogs that yeah. I didn't really want to get them. But we actually even tried a couple plots. Because How old we, were you? At that time, I would have been 
17. Yeah. I, I was going to, I was going to guess like late teens just yeah. with the attitude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that's normal, but yeah. being that attitude, like, Hey, blah, 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 we yeah. were all there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we had pretty serious spare dogs before that with just a straight Sebastian. Yeah. No. For whatever reason, just breeding in them dogs and staying in the line. Some of them we weren't getting for guts. What? we originally mm-hmm. had yeah. and we were getting on some rough bears and they were quitting and these guys in lower Michigan had these smoky, smoky river dogs and uh, a buddy of ours, Mike Crippen, um, bought one and he came and it was 10 months old and that dog uh, ran for on a bear, I think it was like nine hours and we were wow. really impressed because I didn't think that was possible. Yeah. Well, then we started we got some of them Smoky River dogs and mixed them in, and then I, I think we got really good dogs once we did that, once we outcrossed like that. Yeah. And we've stayed with what we're hunting, me and Ross, now is just those same dogs. Right. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Like I said, I, I uh, you know, did your comment like, oh, I didn't think we had any other dog. <laughs> Nobody else had any dogs better than mine. I think that's normal, and sometimes people don't realize that Behind every shack somewhere in the corner, there there's some hunters out there that, yeah. and I'm in a privileged position because I get to you get to see a lot. I get to see yeah. behind the scenes yeah. a lot. You know what I mean? The guys that that aren't on social media, and, and and it's like, man, there's some really cool people out there who you know, you just all they're out in the woods just hunting, you know, and so that's interesting. Um, yeah. So I, and I try to kind of do the same thing. I mean, I'm not afraid. You know, a lot of people like hunting in their own little area and mm-hmm. don't like especially with hounds yeah. you know it's they don't like to get out of it well you know we've been doing it so long and have built up a pretty large network of friends whether it be around the state or out west or whatever and i, I like going and seeing hunting with different dogs, dogs where yeah. you know I, I mean i know there's i know there's spots where our dogs lack a little bit and then there's other spots where um they shine you know i mean and i, I always judge a guy Seems like the guys that hunt the most have the best dogs, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. No. You know? <laughs> no, that's a direct correlation, <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <Ross. laughs> so, you know, you find people that hunt a lot, and they're, they're going to have good dogs. I mean, you either make them, or if you're going to keep hunting a lot, you're going to find them. Yeah. So, yeah, at some point, you get tired of losing, and you got to figure out a, a winning exactly. strategy. Yep. You yeah. either got to figure out if it's you or if it's the dogs. And, yeah. <laughs> Changing the team or the coach. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we try to do that, too. You know, he came out west with me for i don't know a number of years you know we got a pretty good network of friends out there and run lines out there and stuff and it's it's so do you guys have to outcross much at all or is it pretty much self-contained at this point and you've got enough out there that you can just keep i so i've seen guys just breed in in our blue ticks um breed dogs that i would call them inbred because they don't want to get out at all um, and what I've seen with them, and this is our good friend we know, I, they're very, very shy. Yeah. And I think, to me, I think you need to outcross once in a while. Right. Because just from what I've seen from way back with the Sebastian dogs, and then when once we got them Smoky River crosses, those first two crosses together that were Sebastian and Smoky River, I've never seen nothing like it. Really? I, and how so? I mean, just as far as just having the grit, and they were really gritty. They were. I compared them. Some of them were. They were as bad as plots. 
<laughs> which I didn't think was possible in the blue ticks. Right. Um, so I, and now, you know, sage is a little bit outcrossed, and I think that, and them seem to be doing pretty well, I think you need to outcross once in a while. Right. Because I think it just gets too contained, and it seems like, you lose, and I've read stories on plots, and I'm not going to name any breeds that I've read or their breeding, but I, I don't know what they talk about. Some of them I'd have to see it to believe it. I'm not saying it's not true, but I never found that out breeding these dogs. Yeah. Interesting. Because, you know, I've read some of them where they say the, um, they just keep reproducing the same dog. Yeah. I'm right. staying in the same I haven't. I didn't see that. Not yeah. in these dogs. I, we didn't keep reproducing for a little while. I would say yes, but it doesn't keep going. Yeah, you started losing. It hits a cap. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but you, know, you see that with repeat crosses. Even like one litter is way different than the other one too. Yeah. Like we see that a lot, <clears throat> and we had some pretty tight bred stuff. Well, so, what would you call these blue ticks? Is there a line or what? We always say they're 50-50 Sebastian and Smoky River. Yeah, we call them Elwanger Blue Ticks. <laughs> so when you have to make an outcross, do you pretty much stick to that Smoky River side then? Yeah, this last time we did, yes. Um, it had a little bit of Diamond Jim, some Diamond Jim in it. Uh, well, and Ross knows they're crazy. <laughs> we got a pup here. and Yeah, if you, I, if you uh, walk by the puppy thing, the puppy pen and you hear one just hammering it's probably her yeah. oh you brought one for the puppy auction yeah, yeah. nice yeah but yeah even in that that cross why well, well my two-year-old's the same cross just a couple years ago and um some of them are pretty chill and some of them are nuts you know <laughs> and yeah you just don't know what you're gonna get if breeding was an exact science you know we'd probably all be having completely different conversations but yeah you know it's just when you think you got to figure it out it's it's a crapshoot yeah you don't know what you're a gonna calculated crapshoot is exactly. the best way i think to put it yep. yeah so what's your guys' season when do you guys start well we start running july running bears july 1st july 1st um yep and then july and august we run uh it, we call it training season you just running bears for fun basically yeah. and then our kill season starts either the first or second week in september then that goes for four weeks long as well so typically we're getting done either the first or second week of october um and then we got a break and pretty much as soon as it starts snowing we start running bobcats or um or coyotes wolves when we can <laughs> when <laughs> right. we have a season but uh same dogs yeah, pretty much. I, I like me personally, I like to keep only three or four of my own and I, I really like to cat hunt. So I try to keep them straight on cats. One reason I don't need very many dogs is because he's got a shitload. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> How many is a shitload? <laughs> 15, 16. Huh. But that's, that's a Ross pile takes some, we're from. And my wife drives her separate truck. Oh, yeah. Every time we go hunting, yeah, she doesn't have a choice. No double decker <laughs> so, dog boxes or anything fancy. I don't have to because there's three trucks always. <laughs> yeah, uh, Belozier, he he hunts two. He has his one truck and he's got twenty dogs in it with two mules. And I'm like, that's wild, unreal. But, but 
But he drives to the spot, and then those dogs are, you know, so it's not like driving around all day either. You're just yeah. getting yeah. them from A to B. Yeah. We're, we're fortunate, though, because um, Chris is, with his work schedule, he's able to hunt a lot, and I'm able to hunt a lot. So we can, you know, between the three of us with his wife, I mean, we run a lot of dogs. That's and, good. But, you know, bear season's completely different than winter hunting. If you want to go hunting that day, you can go. I, for the most part, yeah, you get one or two rainouts here or there, but you know it's not like winter hunting where you got a horrible crust or something yeah. you just can't go. So we're able to we're able to hunt them all, you know, and it's yeah. it's it's fun. And you know, he treats my dogs like they're his, and, and vice versa. So if he if he gets a little bit low on dogs or they're worn out or whatever, you know, I'll just leave mine there, and he'll take mine, and and it works out pretty well that way. And, same program yeah yeah we're we're on the same page about everything for sure um you know what dogs are good at what and what dogs need work at other things and um just hunt them take them hunting yeah take them hunting are you guys limited to the number of dogs you can run at a time yeah it's it's uh just six at a time so you're like relaying how does how does a bear race look for you guys you have the ones you usually start with and then grab them going across the road and relay freshies or yeah and we've we've got a lot of bears too so you know in in training season when you're looking for smaller ones i mean he'll put out on one bait and i'll go up the road and put out on another one and you know one's getting close to the road so we'll i'll go over there and you know switch out a couple dogs on that one and you look on the garmin and oh the other one's getting close to the road or whatever you know so you just a lot of times we'll have two three four bears going at the same time you know and oh, wow that's wild um, if you want to rig you can rig one fairly quick yeah in the summertime yeah yeah and i think i told you uh, one of the last podcasts we were talking about it and talking about rigging stuff and my dogs don't rig right i remember talking about his it. dogs do you know and it's um like i told you before i, I why do you think that is because he's not afraid to he trusts his dogs more than Ross does. <laughs> He's not a – I don't like getting the shit kicked out of my dogs. And when you rig a bear, you don't know if it's 50 pounds or if it's 350 pounds. Yeah. Whereas he's a little bit more reckless than I am, and his his dog's rigging. He'll send them. Right. So, you know, and that teaches them, hey, man, if we smell a bear and bark, he's going to cut us loose. Yeah. Whereas I think my dogs have gotten a little bit more in the mode. Well, he's not going to turn us out until we pull up to a bait. Really? So that definitely um, makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. It yeah I did does. a podcast with Don on rigging. It was Bobcats, rigging Bobcats, and uh, you know, it, there's definitely dogs that excel at that, and there's dogs that you can kind of teach them, you know, or, or try to train them. But yeah, it doesn't really. It, I guess it's all the definition of what a rig dog is. You know what I mean? Like well, a lot of dogs bark because the other dogs bark and they learn it. Which dogs really hitting yeah. that track first? But you know, he sees that in his truck too. Like you'll have one or two dogs that, yeah. you know, lightning barks, it's a, it's a rig, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or Where, he's, and he's always the first one, always. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, it, it, you know, you can help foster that or bring it along or whatever, mm-hmm. encourage it, but it's also kind of in them or it's not. They got to know that you're going to let them down, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's like you can enhance instinct, but you can't enhance it if it's not there. Like, I've had dogs that just flat don't rig. Which is weird because when I started hunting, and I know I've said this, like everybody had rig dogs. Like it was weird to me that anybody hunted any other way. Mm-hmm. I just grew up around rig dogs. And now it's like 
I don't own a rig dog and it's a little rough some nights, yeah. you know, when you're roading them 20 miles or whatever it is over a weekend. And it's like, man, we could have burned through this for about 10 gallons of gas and save feet. Yep. Yep. And I had worn out dogs when you actually found something. Yeah. When you finally get on a track and now they're on their last leg, you yep. know, it's yep. the value of a good rig dog is something like, I think people have been around dogs at rig, but like a true rig dog is something that's like mind blowing to watch. Like when you can tell they're going to rig before they even say a word, it's like, he's going to hit a track at some point. We're going to cut back up this hill and I'll bet you there's a, something there. And then boom, there he goes. Yeah. Yep. It's a pretty cool thing to see because they're pulling it out of thin air. I mean, really, you're just having to trust them, too. And that's why I went away from rigging so much. It's like, yeah, I don't really trust these dogs. <laughs> well, you got to be willing to have a, a train wreck every yeah. once. Or, yep. you know, I think if you trusted every, do every dog in your truck every time they barked, it would. <laughs> yeah. You got to have that one or two. But that. these, your collars make it way easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They you give know, you, you a little advantage. Back. Like I, I have sometimes where I get a little twitch, a little stick off the side of the road, and I, I don't just hit him or anything. I just show him. I'm like, settle <laughs> down, you sons of bitches. Here's my stick. All you got to do is pull oh, that, put, pull show, the Garmin off. Yeah, show the Garmin. And be like, hey, you see the Garmin? <laughs> I do got it. It's on. Fingers on the button. Let's rein it in a little bit. Let's <laughs> rein it in a little bit. Because if they learn to bark, really get down every time, they'll, they'll want to bark for everything. Be like, oh, I smell something over here. <laughs> I got to use the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Don's Don, uh, his thing was like, ah, we'll just take off, make him run a mile or two. <laughs> you know what I mean? They start tightening up a little bit that yeah, way too. So they get, the they get time every time they get down without a track and they got to run two miles at full sprint. They kind of start changing their tune a little bit too. And they wear down. They don't. We're so fortunate in Wisconsin to be able to bait. I mean, it that helps a lot. Yeah. Especially once we get later and later in the summer and in the fall, it, it gets tough to rig. Um, why they just don't move as much oh, really? um scenting gets a little bit tougher so i don't think you're rigging as old tracks and and stuff either um once you definitely yeah they're we're like he said we're really fortunate there's lots of small bear moving around all the time you get to the fall and it can almost go like they don't even exist in the same area they just they just hole up. Yeah, and there's find a food patch or certain people that ha haven't done it for a while that are bait sitters think that all oh, dogs are chasing them. That's not the case. They just natural food comes mm -hmm. on and they start getting ready for hibernate mode. Right. So they just they don't hit baits as nearly yeah. as well. Yeah, you can't compete with natural food. No. I, you know, I get like he said, you get I get bait sitters that text me, well, what they quit hitting. What do I what do I switch up or like, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Go find a <laughs> berry know, patch. Or, I mean, what is a natural, I mean, what are they eating on when the natural feed comes on out here? A, a lot of hazelnuts. Acorns is big. Yeah. And then cornfields. And well, yeah, that's it. That's probably by us. Uh, I wouldn't even imagine the cornfields of it. That's a rodeo running bears through <clears throat> cornfields. It's. Uh, you know, that's probably when we get to kill season, that's probably about, what, 30 to 50% of our hunting is cornfields. Yeah. Really? Um, just rows of corn? Free cast the dogs in cornfields. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, no corn still on. Corn oh, yeah. still up. Yep. yep. <laughs> and just. You just see these tunnels. The bears get in there, and they don't leave. Like, 
they got their food. They yeah, they food. might mosey out to get a drink of water every once in a while, but they'll come back. So that's that's where they go, you know. Uh, and how how else do you how do you compete? Perfect with? example. This last kill season, um, I've got a cabin. My my cabin butts up to uh, my neighbor's standing cornfield, which is about a uh, 40-acre cornfield. Well, I've got a bait behind my cabin that's not 200 yards from that cornfield. But I also got deer cameras um, cameras for deer on, on my food plots that butt up to that cornfield. Well, I was getting pictures of this nice bear almost every day on those deer cameras. Uh, there's a swamp, so I, I imagine he was pretty much living in that cornfield, and he'd walk by my deer cameras to go get a drink of water or whatever and walk back. Well, um, we didn't have much for decent bears um, opening day on, on baits, and like, man, let's just go. I, I'm sure that bear is there. Me and my neighbor have both been getting pictures of it every day, you know, yeah. just free cast dogs in the cornfield, and, you know, all of a sudden dog lights up and a few other ones pack in and, they're baying and walking through the corn, and what did that bear weigh, 420 or something? Yeah, it was right around there. And, you know, that thing was in a 30-acre cornfield for three weeks and never hit my bait. That was 200 yards away, and you just, I mean, we, you wouldn't have even known he was there if I, I didn't have my So they come squirting out of the cornfields when the dogs get on them? What, what, what do they do? What, how's that race go? Yeah, that big. Dude, it's a crapshoot. Really? Sometimes they do. You know, you'll end up, you don't know what you're going to end up on. There could be a sound cubs in there. There could be a 50 pounder. There could be a 600 pounder. It's, right. it's just a crapshoot. You, you don't know. I'd say most of the time, the bigger ones don't come out. It, it just, they go straight to bait up and you got to walk in and shoot them, which is. I bet that's interesting in a standing cornfield. It's sketchy. There's not much room. You, you got to be right on top of them too. Mm-hmm. That's. that's what what I found works the best is I get down, pretty much lay on the ground because you get low and you know the corn stalks are just get below the yeah get below the canopy of the corn yeah. and then you can see their feet yeah you know so you'll see the bears pointed this way or whatever and then you run over a few rows or whatever and try to get in there and and cut them off get and, in front of them yeah or walk sometimes it'll let let you walk right up to them but. A lot of times it ends up being a cat and mouse thing in there, you know, because they'll smell you here or whatever, so they'll go 100 yards to the other side of the cornfield and stop. Do they and, tear the corn up when they're switching lanes and all that? Not too much, really. Mm-hmm. Not like you'd think. No, no. Really? It's not like See, I would picture, like, driving a truck through a cornfield. <laughs> like, that's what you, they sound like a, when they a, go through a, them, though. A drone or helicopter in the cornfield looks like, oh, the kids, they made a maze over there. Yeah, right, like a corn maze. Yeah. Oh. And that's what they, when they're eating, when they're feeding, that's what they'll do. I mean, you'll walk into a cornfield and from the outside you don't see much you get in the middle and i mean you'll get there and they'll have a spot half the size of this room just eight down, laid down huh? just flattened right down so those farmers know. probably don't appreciate no they, they like it when you come get the bears out yeah. for sure but that in my opinion those hunts are like the most um intense you know especially you get somebody with the trigger that's doesn't got balls of steel, you know. <laughs> That's where you don't take the rookies. It, yeah, it, it can get dicey. I mean, me and him have seen it a hundred times, you know, so we, we're not really afraid to walk right up there, but you get somebody else that's 75 yards away, and it's like, dude. No. <laughs> you can't. You're not going to work. Well, you got the dogs, but especially if it's a rifle, corn stalks ain't going to stop a rifle bullet, you right. know, and there's road 
there's going to be a road next to that cornfield. And a lot of times there's a house or right. whatever else not too far away, you know. So it uh, it's intense. So that's like a big thing, though, certain times of year. You run a lot of them in those cornfields. Yeah, I'm, it's probably about half of our hunting, wouldn't you I say? I would say it's half, especially wow. this last year. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it draw those cornfields out of the area we hunt all the time. I think they draw out of there to those cornfields because our baits go. Yeah, I think they'll come for miles to get to a cornfield. Right. You know. Are you guys baiting like the same areas every year? Is it like a yearly bait site? Well, some of them, some of those baits have been up there longer than I have. So that's why I was thinking like the cornfields, I would think they would gravitate there because it's probably been a cornfield for 50 years, you know, generationally, they just know to go back into it. They're probably likely born there. Yeah, right. <laughs> you <yeah>. know, <laughs> mom took them there first year and, you know, they, it just gets ingrained in them like anything else, you know. Right. So you probably, I know Ross has said you break your dogs on coons, yeah. right? You do the same? Oh, yeah. Or you end up running coons nonstop? No, we coon are bad. I'd rather <laughs> run a deer than a coon. <laughs> oh wow. Coon, you you got to walk in and get them. Yeah. Deer usually circle back or whatever. You know. <laughs> Especially with these collars, you just, they're out. Yeah. You know, if it's treed, you got to go in and see if it's a coon or a bear, which I don't know if we treat a coon last year. We generally don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this year. Knock on something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next season. Yeah, I t- like I told you guys before, I mean, if your dog likes coon by us, it's it's going to end up be on bad. coon. Yeah. It'd be bad. <laughs> That's how I feel about bears. <laughs> if, when we hunt in September, I mean, if you, if, if you dog likes a bear, there's a really good chance you're going to try and catch a bear. A bear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to, it killed me to break a dog off a bear. Yeah. Like, killed me. But you can't hunt small game in Oregon in the fall and not run a bear if they're not broke on them. Yeah. Uh, it's just, there are too freaking many of them. Yeah. There's a pile of bears. Over there. It's getting like that for us in the wintertime with trying to run cats. You know, a lot of guys around um, northern Wisconsin, they like to, to run their dogs on both cats and coyotes. Mm-hmm. Well, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have that many coyotes. But, man, the last few years, they are pile of them. thick. And if your dog is wants to run coyotes, it's... You can find a coyote. It's going to find a coyote while you're cold tracking a cat. There's just, yeah, you know... Just, just pick whichever's hotter. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, dogs that really like coyotes even will, will switch from a cat to a coyote you know it's just it's tough so i break mine all on coyotes he breaks a couple on coyotes that he'll run on bobcats and then yeah i run some of them on coyotes on purpose oh so you run coyotes too yeah that's something i would love to go see i like i don't i'd say i like it better than bobcats just because there's so much more of them you know more opportunity yeah you can run more dogs too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Is there a limit on coyotes? How many dogs you can run? Nope. So like good training. Yeah, and you get makes sense. You get one going and oh another one kicks out over yep. there, you know, so kinda like I was telling you we might run three, four bears at a time. You can do the same thing on coyotes, you yeah. know. One kicked out over there, so he'll go dump a couple dogs out there. What is the coyote season? Year round. Year round. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people probably end up doing that, huh? 
Yeah, and, and you can just run more dogs, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, more action. A lot of times a bobcat hunt by. I like it so much because I, I like to walk with my dogs, you know, either go behind them or whatever. Well, everybody can't do that, you know, so you got other people like his wife hates going bobcat hunting because they end up sitting on the road and twiddling their thumb all day, you know, because right. you get a cat jumped in a swamp and it never leaves. Never leaves. <laughs> so it, it's just more. Yeah, the coyote hunt is just a little bit more interactive and, you know, crossing roads and stuff like that, where cat hunting, if you're sitting on the road, can be pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> so are you rigging coyotes then or just nope. turning loose on track? On track, just drive around in the snow and look for tracks. And That makes sense. Yep. <laughs> Instead of waiting until summer and having them all rig coyotes, because those coyotes are probably around all the time, uh, huh? Oh, yeah. They don't leave. Yep. And they- that's... They don't run them in the summer that much, though. No. I mean, like the dogs just naturally choose. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, like I said in, in a previous podcast, our, you know, our dogs are, are more bred for bear. So. Right. And we run so many bears. You know, we really, we when there is a couple dogs that prefer coyotes and and will, will run. You almost can't run them in the summer because they will run a coyote if they get, get the option, but. Most of our dogs, for the most part, prefer the bear and aren't going to switch. What kind of mouth does your your Ubuxix have? I would say <laughs> everything. Everything. Really? So I mean, we don't get much chop mouth. Once in a while, you do, but for the mo- you know, um, but yeah, all different. I mean, some got deep balls, shrill. I mean, I would say all different. Really? Some of them bark a lot. Some of them fairly. I wonder what makes the bark on a dog. I'm just trying to think. You know, because you hear so many different variations of their their mouth, and I wonder where that comes from. That's what I was just trying to think. Yeah. Beats me. It is different. I know Danny went hunting with me, and she says, I don't know if I could listen to those things every night like you do, (laughs) because she's used to hunting with my blue dogs when we used to have them. She's like, those dogs sound horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Because all mine are like squall mouth or squealy or, you know, they're all fox hounds. There is something about blue ticks barks, though, that just got that houndy sound, you know. That's what I was thinking. um, The blue tick that I have is is the one. One of them sounded like an old lady, which she she was, but she was like, like raspy, (laughs) like, you know, I mean, like. Oh, that's an ugly dog right there and you look at it and it's like, oh she's actually kind of cute but she sounds like yeah you know but and then i have another one has a, a a real long ball or whatever and so i was just curious on it seemed like the blue ticks have a different and maybe i i, I don't know if they're different but just a different bark you know mm-hmm. they're longer different ball i guess but yeah do you guys get a lot of like changeover in your dogs from track to tree or like like my dog henry he had one of the most distinctive locate balls ever him and his mom actually both where there was no mistake and it's like what does yep. it sound like oh, you're gonna make me do it <laughs> i can't i can't well, I'm, he not, kinda, I'm not a visual person i can I'm do like, this like, i will do this because i know you're gonna poke fun he kind of had that raspy voice anyway like it sounded like the dog had been barked out his entire life he just had a crappy vocal cord so it would always start like a little higher in volume and drop like his locate was literally a Oh. 
Drill again? <laughs> no, I only do it once. That tug. It was the longest. I was just getting some static in my headset. It's like I that could... dog is going to run out of air at some point and totally deflate. And it would instantly roll over to just out, 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 out. And it, there was no mistake in it. Mm-hmm. And I've only hunted a couple of dogs that really had that. And I've hunted with some. But I don't know. He was a blue tick. And he, he's probably not super close related to your stuff. But he went back to some of that diamond gym too. But. Do you guys see a lot of changeover in the voices, or is it kind of like a... Can, can you one-up Jason's locate? Who, who, can, who can do better? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. I, You know, like before your garments go off, you can tell when they switch to treat. Yeah. I mean, just by their voice change. But as far as us having... Do we have any dogs that chop right now? And the blue ticks, you really don't find much of that. Not you a can, lot of track yeah, chop dogs. But they change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mine, mine will change over to a chop on the tree. Not, Maybe say, dizzy. On a tree. She, yeah. So, so She chops more on a tree. She's not that's that. our breeding, though, either. She ain't, <laughs> no, she was a different. These raid dogs, they were heavy on. A bunch of guys were, and I wanted to compare. So I'm like. What is she? She's ray breeding. Ray. That was the guy's last name. He bred in in Michigan, right? Yeah, he came from Michigan also. And I'm like, I just want to compare these dogs to our dogs. Right. Um, So I made a deal. A guy's got some of our breeding and some of the Ray dogs. He's a good friend. He comes up every summer and hunts with us. And uh, he said, if you take two pups uh, of the Ray, you can have one and get them both going. You can have one and give me the other one back. Well... Three weeks after I had them, she got out and killed the girl's chickens. So it was easy to <laughs> figure out which Pick one which was one. going back to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, I got your dog ready for you. But <laughs> Come get it. Yeah. And actually, that one that killed the chickens, she, Willow, she chops. She does it, and I think she chops on the track, too. Dizzy balls deep on the track, but she chops on the tree. Hmm. But that's not our breeding. That's completely different. Did your guys' ball on the tree too, or yeah, yes, pretty much all yep. ball. I'd have to think. I don't know. Like I said, I I would think Cheyenne has. I don't know if she's a full chop. Like I've had short chops. You know, dogs. My red dog and all them are all like, rawr, 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 you know, like, mm-hmm. but um, I think Shy kind of has a longer. I mean, it's definitely it's not like a short chop. It's but it's a longer bark, but we not need... not like when she's trailing. When she's trailing, it's there's a lot of. We need somebody on that can actually. <laughs> go into depth on why they bark different. Yeah, I'm we gotta just find somebody what, now. What makes it? Because I've had litter mates like Paisley, the one that I brought hunting with you. When she would bark, she was a straight up rapid chop on right. track. Yacht, 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 yacht. I mean, she sounded more like what I'm running now, but she was never really a tree dog. So not, she had zero changeover at all. It was just that's how she sounded. Yep. Where her full litter mate brother, I mean massive difference man that's gonna be oh good luck figuring that out because i mean we'll have a litter of pups and one of them will bark like crazy on the track and another one will be pretty silent until it's jumped or you know and it's same damn litter right I, I, well there's so many ways guys describe a dog's bark like a dog's voice is something so complex i think and people pretty much roll it into a ball or a chop yeah 
But like you got hornmouths, oh, yeah. you got squallers, you got squealers, yodelers. Like a, a dog with a roll chop to me is like one of the coolest things I've ever heard. And I can't, I'm not even going to try to reproduce <laughs> that one, but it's cool to hear. Like, I, I remember at one point, I'm sure I've told this story before, we were doing a judge's education for AKC at a show. And they had us all come down because there was a small group of us that were showing blue dogs. They were new to AKC. Like they had just came out of miscellaneous and we were showing them and we go to this room. And I mean, and it's obviously listeners can't see. It was probably two times, two or three times the size of this. And it was packed with, you know, AKC representatives and judges. And there was somebody there. I, I want to say he was some, he was in the hound breeds. I can't remember the specific breed, but when the, the guy doing the presentation was talking about their voices and how we get to know our dogs, he kind of just got real smart mouth. And he said, you mean to tell me, you know, which dog's barking? It's like, yeah. How can you know out of all those dogs? It's like, and I remember telling him, not only can I tell you which dog it is, I can tell you if the track's hot, if it's cold, I can tell you if it's bare, I can tell you if it's garbage. Mm -hmm. I can tell you if he's going to stand a chance of catching it, or if we're just burning a bunch of gas and legs on a dog for something he's never going to catch. And they were completely blown away. And you try to explain it to him. It's like no different than if you're talking to your, you know, if you hear your brother talking on the other side of the room or you hear your kids screaming out of a whole playground of other kids, like, you know it. And it just blew my mind. And I thought that's why we have to have these educational things because (laughs) it's just, it's mind blowing that, that, people were that close-minded but i've always been around hounds yeah and it's like you just kind of knew that but well my wife so she you know she obviously didn't she always had dogs growing up and stuff but um when we started getting hounds um you know a dog would be barking and i'd open up the door and yell prince shut up she'd be like how how do you know that that's prince Mm -hmm. like i'm like i don't know i just know well, what do you know? A couple of years later, here she is opening up the door. Izzy, shut up. Yep. I'm like, see, yep. <laughs> you're starting to figure it out. You know, uh, that's the truth though. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's one of them things you do. I call it houndsman Tourette's because <laughs> anytime somebody's <laughs> over at my house and somebody like even just starts whining, like when you can pick it out by the wine, yeah. that's when they look at you funny. They're like, how do you know that that's that dog? I'm like, just trust me. It's always that one. <laughs> yep. Yep. So before we started, I was telling you guys I got him involved in the bird dogs a little bit. He's got a short hair of his own now too. Oh, he's not not into it like I am. You know, he likes to go hunting and stuff. But so I bugged him for years. Um, we've got some relatives down in Iowa and um, go down there and pheasant hunting. Bugged him for years to to come with, and he's like, man, I just. He'd always have an excuse. I could tell he didn't really think it would be that much fun. You know, like he he just he just didn't quite get it. Well, finally one year I talked him and his daughter into coming down. And it was it was getting good. Like, you know, I'm like, you guys should come and there's gonna be birds everywhere, you know. And uh, we pull up to the first spot and you know, you get out and shut the door and pheasants pheasants just boil out of this place. Oh jeez. And I'm so you like ruined him. Yeah. And I'm like uh they're they're like him and his daughter are like oh man i'm like no 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 they didn't all they didn't all fly away and we go in there i mean and it's just great well first off i forget to tell him 
only roosters. Him and his daughter. <laughs> What's the first bird that gets up? A hen. Right. And it flies all the way down the line in front of us, and both him and his daughter, bang, 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 bang. Well, good thing they didn't even touch it. <laughs> good thing <laughs> you're a bad flying. shot. <laughs> it kept flying, so I'm like, yeah, only roosters from now on, you know. But, we, uh, man, we just had a blast that trip, and I think we limited it out almost every day. And towards the end of the day, um, the last day, he, my dog goes up on point up on the hill, and tell Chris to go up there and, well, you're closer, you know, you go up there and he gets up there and kicks around and out pops a rooster and he shoots it and he's fist bumping and stuff. And I'm like, well, I think he, uh, I think he had a good time. We're driving home from Iowa and he's Googling bird dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Once you know, a couple months later, he's bringing home a short hair. So nice. He's, uh, he got bit. Yeah. He got, he got bit and we've had some epic, epic trips to Iowa since then and, He's got a, he's got a really nice short hair. She does a good job. And did you go to Pheasant Fest? I did not. Have um, you been? Yeah, I went. I went when it was in the cities a couple years ago. Um, it's cool. I mean, it's huge. I want to go check it out some yeah, There's a ton of stuff there. Yeah, um, it's fun. But you're going to be out west again this year, didn't you? Qualify or was? Yeah, I'll be going to New Mexico in September. That's right, New Mexico for the Navda stuff, right? Yep. 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 I try to go to a couple rough or uh, rough grouse society banquets and stuff like that, you know. And, but, um, you know, the Wisconsin bear hunters here is man. This it, I try to tell people just how big of a deal this is and stuff, and I don't think people really realize it. And it's it's so cool. It's man. huge. And well, I was talking to some guys in Idaho what two weeks ago that were talking about flying out that might be here. You know, guys are traveling from all over to come to it. It's a pretty cool event. Yeah. I think it would be, you know, these other people that are starting these organizations around the country, it would be good for them. Just come see it. Come and see and just get some ideas. The level of organization here is is incredible, you know, with all the auction stuff and um, raffles and vendors yeah. and, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, the vendor booths. So we're going to try something new here. Oh, boy. Um, This is a... A suggest an idea that we had, which is we're going to call somebody to ask a question, and we're going to try and help her through a question. Ready for this, Ross? I don't know if it's going to. Work. I didn't know about this. In all fairness, <laughs> I didn't know about this until five minutes ago. I'm like, ding. So we wanted to try to implement um, a question and answer, like you know, what I mean, like just a round table. And so she had some question about, I think, um, I'm just going to let her ask, but like possessive dogs and aggressive dogs, you know. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to take it, and we try and give her a call real quick and see if it works. This is the first time, so if it doesn't work, we're going to edit this out. Can you guys hear the ringing? I can yeah. hear it. One ringy-dingy. It sounds like it's working. I don't think the cut, you know, so we'll have Hello, it. this is Chelsea. Hey, Chelsea, this is Buddy with the W Hunting Hi, Podcast. This, you're the first yeah. person we've ever called on a phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I start sounding like a robot, let me know, because sometimes my phone does that when I'm on Wi-Fi calling. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> so, so I got Ross Ellinger. Chris. Chris Ellinger. Jason Ellinger. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Ellinger. We're all Ellingers today. And so, anyways, you sent. We, we asked for people to give us some questions to try to help on some of the, the training talks. And so yeah. everybody's looking at me like, I can't believe you just pulled this out in thin air because nobody knows that we did this, including you. I, I you can attest that we, you didn't know I was going to do this until five minutes ago, right? 
Right. <laughs> so, so take it away. Well, you had a question about um, maybe a, it was a possessive dogs or, you know, I mean, like dogs kind of getting aggressive. I mean, I'm going to let you take it for a minute. Yeah. So I have a seven-month-old plot pup. Um, I left the breed out of my question in the chat because I'm yeah. I would, I would, I would, I would believe that when you said plot, I'd have been like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I'm, why they're mean. I'm out. No. Yep. <laughs> Just yep. kidding. We're, we're messing with you. <laughs> um, so I have a seven-month-old plot pup, and she's shown some weird signs of possessiveness early on, um, like around three, four months old. So I have a fenced-in area that I let the dogs out to interact and play. Um, and my original pack, I could have like toys and ropes and random things out there for them to kind of play keep away with and tug of war and chew on when they just want to sit down and not play and that kind of thing. And I noticed last fall with her pretty young, um, that she was getting possessive over stuff. So I picked all that stuff up. And since then I haven't allowed anything like that to be out and around, um, just to try to avoid the situation. And then a couple weeks ago, we had a coon hide. Um, a guy at camp and I um, decided to mess around with some pups with that coon hide. And she showed really good interest in that, um, you know, like she should. And when any other pup, not anybody else, not any other pup in my pack, but any other pup from that guy's pack, showed any interest or came by her, um, she got real growly. And then if they tried to, like, stick their face by her, um, she'd kind of nip at them. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess to me, I took it as she was starting to be possessive over that game because I saw signs, you know, early on in her life of her being possessive over high-value things. Yeah, It's never towards me. Um, like, I can take her food away. Um, I make her sit before I feed her, things like that. I can take things away from her just fine. Um, but it seems like when it's other dogs. So I guess my main question was, what did I do wrong? When what do I do now? Because I hunt with a group. Um, there's like five different guys with their own little smaller packs. And we can't have dogs that are possessive. Yeah. Um, because that will cause issues at trees before we can get in there. Correct. Who wants to take this, Ross? <laughs> We're going down. Well, I guess, uh, so I'll also. Hot I'll, potato. I'll, okay, I'm not so it. <laughs> I, have, I have asked like kind of my, I have a little circle of people that I kind of bounce things off of. Yeah. And the only thing advice I was given was you got to like beat them when they're doing it. Get but my them. issue with that is how does the dog know why they're being corrected? I don't want that dog to be afraid to chew on a hide anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm, I struggle with that, with the correction, because I don't think the dog is smart enough to know why it's being corrected at that point. You know, like when yeah. it's chewing on the game and starting to growl because another dog is coming closer to it. But I don't I have I have a blue tick that's like, that's really possessive around game possessive. Dead, dead game. You know what I mean? So if something comes out, which I don't, I don't do a lot, but I don't, I, I mean, as soon as she wants to get to it, I I want her tied back. I don't let her, I don't reward her with letting yep. her wool on it or anything like that. So, um, I, I would not encourage it by, you know, I would just say if I go first, I guess I wouldn't encourage it by petting her around, you know, the, 
the height or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like if she gets it, she gets it. You're done with that training. I think just encouraging her to, to really, you know, wool it or chew it or, or reward her with it, um, would be not helpful. I mean, I just make things worse. I think I mean, mm-hmm. she just really, yeah. really helps. Possess I guess it. a question about that though. So like if I were to have went and kenneled her up, which I ended up kenneling her up not far after that. So mm-hmm. I could bring out a smaller, like a really little pup just to be around it. Yeah. Um, do you think if I were to kennel her up and let her kind of miss out on it, that it would build some like resentment or do you think she's smart enough to realize, Oh, I, I screwed up. So I had to miss out on that. Oh, who wants to Ross. take that one? Take Association one. is always the, the tricky thing, especially when trying to fix a behavior like that, because like you said, you, you want to make sure they're getting the right association. Um, right. I would say I'm going to kind of dip back into my, the experience I have in the bird dog world a little bit. And with, with some of the, the trainers, I think behavior like that is a dominant behavior. She is trying to show dominance over the other dogs. Um, and basically say that's mine. Yeah. Um, what I do and, and for instance, I've got a litter of puppies running around right now. And, and, uh, one of my dogs, she's not bad. I mean, she's not going to hurt them, but sometimes the puppies will have something and she'll kind of want to come over and just be like, no, that's mine. Even though she really doesn't care about it. And what I've (laughs) just, just to show them that's mine. And what I, um, have been doing with her is when she would do that, I would run over to her, flip her upside down on her back and basically hold her down. And she's going to fight. Basically, I'm just asserting my dominance over her. You're 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 being a bigger bully than she. Yes, you want to be. <laughs> like a, you want to be. The you want to be the bully. Well, guess who's a bigger bully than right, me? Right, yeah. Um. Yep. And then you know if that was like a if that was something that she had claimed already, where in my my situation she only does it just to take the puppies. Well, I'll you know I'll hold her down until you know she's gonna fight, kick, scream, or whatever. Wait until she kind of settles down and is like okay he's got me you know you you can tell when when the dog kind of um su- uh submits to that and then I'll take that take that thing with me yeah like yep. this is mine now yeah and I'll try to do the same thing um around you know whether it be dead game or sometimes with the bird dogs you'll you'll get that with puppies you know a bird goes down that puppy wants that and it'll growl at the other dogs or whatever not let them have it same thing you know, flip them upside down. Be like, guess what? This is my bird. It's going in my bag. Now you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just saying that that's what I do at a at a tree. Is like mm-hmm. I'll run every dog off. And be like, no, nobody gets this. This is mine. Yeah. And and you know, especially I I really target the dogs that are possessive over that, and then I may go set it in front of a pup, and but I kind of take over. Yeah. The, whatever it is that they're trying to own, I'm like, nope, that's mine. Like yep. you know, that's mine. And which, trees are tricky, which is great yeah. when you can be there. Yeah. Well, but that's you what can't I was just going to say. Be there. You know, they might be there for a half hour before you get yeah. there. Um, to be quite honest, the tree possessive stuff is kind of some. We're pretty good now, but a few years ago we were fighting that battle a little Dude, bit. You and know, it's and cancer. Like once it starts, yeah. that's the scary thing. And uh, you know, again, we would use the alpha. <laughs> 
and you're back to that association. Well, now is the dog associating getting fried with treeing or, or the possessive. And, you yeah. know, we had a couple dogs that, um, maybe I shouldn't say a couple, but one dog that I'm thinking of in particular that he just basically won tree after that. Yeah. Well, that's a better wrong case. association. Yeah, he got the wrong association, but he's also not being possessive on that tree either, which I would rather have that than, you know, getting them all doing it. Yeah. So, um, what do you do around your feeding? I mean, are, are, is, is the dog possessive around feed too? Um, so I had one, I don't, not anymore. It doesn't seem like I had one thing where I was questioning it. So they all are in their kennels. Um, I keep their food bowls are on a shelf and I feed them individually and I pick their bowls up when they're done. However, when she was younger, um, I noticed the dog next to her was kind of passive and I noticed she wasn't eating as much anymore. And so I watched a little closer and saw that Aurora was, she would go along that edge. Once Aurora was done with her food, she'd go over to the edge and she would just watch Minnie and kind of just stare at her and almost like intimidate Minnie. So she'd walk away from her food bowl and Minnie wouldn't eat. Yeah. So I separated them. I put a different dog, I put a different dog next to her. Um, Recently, I've had to put them back. Those are my only kennels that can't. They're both diggers, so they have to be next to each other now. Um, but since I put them back next to each other in the last couple of weeks, there has been no issue. Um, they're both eating their food, and then when they're done, they're done. They're not worrying about each other, and it's been fine. Yeah, yeah. I was I was wondering because I like same thing with me. If I and I I feed together now on my deck or whatever, and so I've done a couple times where I had one dog that. I mean, it was, I always joke about it. She'd be eating like, <laughs> you know, yeah. eating and growling at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, just like chowing her food down, but like, don't look at me while I'm eating and just really, um, touchy about her food. And, uh, and I'd pull her food. You know I mean? Like if, if, if she was going to be that way and growl, I'd be like, yep, no food you You're know? Done. And, but- until she was focused on her food, not worried about other other food or anything like that so and then i've also had situations where i'll take something really good like if i have leftovers or something you know steak or whatever i'll put it there on the deck and every dog's there i mean they they'll they'll do backflips they'll do whatever i want (laughs) them to do and i just i feed them and i just hang out there and i don't let any dog touch that thing you know what i mean they want it so bad but it's it's a situation where i'm like nope i'm the alpha male Mm -hmm. that's my food and i own it and i won't if I feed it to them, I'll feed it piece by piece, calling them by name. But they'll also kind of come in that. It just it just sets up a scenario where those dogs that are kind of possessive, you can watch the body language as they sure. try and block other dogs out of it, or or you know. Well, like she was saying with that kennel, because I've seen that firsthand too. Like you got two dogs kenneled up, or like mm-hmm. you free feeding them, they use what they have at their disposal at that time yeah. to manipulate the situation and get what they want. They want it for a reason. Yeah. And so, I'm no trainer, but like me personally, I've had this situation before to where like when it came to feeding, that is the last dog that gets fed, period. Yeah. Every time when it comes to working, you know, on training or whatever, if they're wool in a piece of game that's been shot out, that dog's tied back and it's introduced once it's already being, being wooled by like other puppies or whatever, especially younger dogs. That way it's. It doesn't have that initial inst. I mean, it's always going to have that instinct to to take it, 
but you're starting off in a situation where it's like, okay, there's already other dogs engaged in this. I don't know yeah. about you guys are professional trainers there, Ross. <laughs> right. I don't know. I just know what I've had to do to fix it because nobody knew any better. And the tree is the really the hardest the hardest part about what we do is our dogs do so much out of our control that it's a re- and it's it's stressful. I mean, when you have a dog like that, you're stressed when the trees happen. And, and yep. I mean, I've I've been there, and I do when I hunt with buddies. I mean, I we've been there. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I want to say my dogs are perfect, but. I don't hunt with other people, and so they get along with my pack. Yeah, but I don't know what would happen when I go with your pack, and so yeah. it's like, dude, you know, it's hard too. A, a little face bite by a bark, you know, and 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 some dogs will turn on a full blown. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and that so that's what makes me nervous because mm-hmm. we do have people in our group that have dogs that have history of fighting at yeah. trees, and so I already have told. The guy that we kind of like share and run dogs together with, I'm like, she's only getting ran with our dogs. And if she's down, nobody's joining for the first couple trees because the first couple trees, I want her only there with our dogs until I know what happens. And you might be able to bring her into another tree, you know, you don't run the race, but somebody is there. So somebody's there and be like, hey, um, especially the way, you know, the group hunting that happens here, I don't have a ton of experience with it, but I would, if I had to do that. I'd be like, hey, let me kick my dog. And I hate doing this. I hate kicking yeah, dogs into a tree. tree you know, yeah. like, not a habit you want to get No, I get wouldn't get in the it. habit of doing that too much. But to just be there so you don't have a big old, you know, some brawl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Nobody right. likes worrying about a fight. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, to take that association, um, if you can, um, um, what's the word I want to use? If you can um, single out that behavior um to use it like like they said with your your group feeding and stuff like that if you that makes the association a lot easier for the dog you know if they're like running around in the yard with toys and stuff like that that, that's a lot of stuff going on and yeah they might get the wrong association but if you can try to start feeding them feeding her with your other dogs kind of like buddy and jason said maybe you can single that association association out out a little bit more and And then when you're in a tree yes they they can start with that food dish and flipping around her back or what you know whatever you do and taking that away in the feeding area when you're when you're right there maybe that getting flipped on her back and and basically the the dominance taken out of her maybe now when you get to a tree and she's got a little bit of a growl or something. Maybe you can. And you flip her over there. Transfer well, that I'd association. I'd getting flipped over. over a tree if I was a dog. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. This, this is the coolest part of the whole thing, and you're yeah, flipping right. me over, All and you're making work. me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, like, I'm still fighting. I have one that occasionally will get a little possessive after, you know, if something shot out. First sign, she gets pulled. That's the end of it. Yeah. Like, you're leashed up. You're out of there. You, you don't get a second chance. Yeah. And, it, and it, it has really helped over the you know, I'd say over the last eight months, yeah. you know, and it's just kind of naturally gotten better, but yeah, it's, you just don't let them win. That's for sure. You got anything? Yeah. Chris is over here. Uh, he, he's got the whole book in front of us. And he won't even open up and tell us the chapter. Well, the way, way back <laughs> that we did it, you used to do it. I had sore knuckles. I can't lie, but. Yeah. Um, I would say try like what Ross said. I've never quite thought of it that way before. 
I guess. I have one right now, um, and she's actually, she's pretty good. But as that season goes on, but our dogs see lots of bears in the tree. And when she starts to get towards the end and she's really getting hyped up, she starts to do a little bit. I mean, she's not bad, and she's better than she used to be, but we used to – I'd shock her, tone her a little bit, Missy, mm-hmm. you know. I, I mean, I would say she's the only dog right now we have that does that stuff. Um, and she's pretty good, but I think you praise them for doing good things and you definitely make them aware when they're doing something bad that yeah. it's not acceptable. And dogs are smarter than I think people realize too. Um, like sometimes I think they know you're getting at, after them for being food possessive rather than just because they're eating or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're smarter than what. Yeah, I think if you can – you know, find a way to trigger on that, and yeah. you, you can push well, your butt and associate it. Old bird dog guys, they'll tell you, you know, guys have been training bird dogs for longer than I've been alive. Everything starts with food when it comes to, to training dogs. You know, it, that's what a dog lives for, mm-hmm. you know. You, that's what we all live for. If you don't get your food, you don't survive, and, and dogs realize that too. And if you can... um Use that to your advantage when it comes to correcting bad behaviors. Um, those old school bird dog trainers will tell you that that is the best way to get in the dog's mm-hmm. head. You know, if they think they might not get fed because of it, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna quit doing it. You, you yeah. know, um, or they're gonna make that connection a lot quicker than um, oh well, I got shocked on a ten today. Yeah. <laughs> big deal. You know, it's, it's no big deal. So. Um, I think anything that you can associate with food, um, or try to get that association tied to that food and correct it around the food makes it easier when you move out to other stuff. But, you know, sometimes dogs don't have any issues when it comes to feeding and it's just at the tree or whatever. Well, and I, I would say keep in mind too, like it's always going to be in the back of your head. I mean, yeah, when you've mm-hmm. had a dog that's shown it one time, it is always in the back of your head, and your biggest fear is getting to a tree and having a, yep. you know, a war scene going on. And I, I think just validating the fact that what you're feeling, all that anxiety, most everybody, <laughs> we're all there, we've mm-hmm. all been there. If, if sometimes you know, we have better dogs than other, but even the ones that are like, oh, they, they can bark and be like, I don't accept that, I don't do this. They've been in the same situation. There's mm-hmm. a reason, you know. Yep, People you, say that. And we've all had that dog that's a little bit touchy, but man, she can yeah. really tear things up too. And it's like, what? It's do a I balance. Do? Yeah. It's like, how much mm-hmm. am I going to put up with? I, I mean, that's like the tipping scale, right? It's like the value that's brought is here. Does it outweigh the other? And yep. in my experiences, I can't say I've ever walked into a tree that there was like a fight that had happened without us there. It's like when you show up, those dogs know what's going on, especially guys that are whacking game out, you know, or, or, you know, dogs that have seen a lot. It's like, as soon as you start getting to the tree, then you start hearing it, but you can tell it hasn't been going on for three hours or you'd have a dead dog sitting at the base of the tree, right? That's generally the the case, but we've have seen it the other way. Yeah. I mean, it happens, (laughs) you know, instances, but I would say if it's something that you can work on really hard now and get curbed to a point where... You know, you're not really thinking about it at home. You can go through your daily routines and you can work through some of this, you know, set up training scenarios, however that may be for you, coon hides or yeah. whatever. 
if you can get it knocked back to a point where it's like second nature there, you know, start slowly isolating yourself out where you run a coon, coon hide up a tree and you sit around the corner of the house and just let them sit there. And like, they don't even know that you're there. I think it would be pretty surprising how they react mm -hmm. and see how those dogs language, like body language, their barking changes when you reintroduce yourself into the, the situation. And I think that would surprise a lot of people when they, when they can isolate different pieces. It's not just one tree. Like that tree is the same tree it's been, whether they've been treeing on it for six hours or 10 minutes. But when situations change, I, I just feel like there's different factors involved. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I have, I have a few dogs that are pretty soft tree dogs, but once you get there, they lock on. But yeah. you can tell the whole time you're walking in, they ain't treeing because you can hear them, you know? Right. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, when they, when you get there and all of a sudden more dogs get to the tree to try to show you where it is, that's when you might have some problems start. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, how was the, how was it the, your first time hopefully that, calling in the DU podcast? <laughs> hopefully that was useful. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. If we got other people that actually went fairly smooth, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, we've been trying to think about how to get some questions and engage and, and, uh, I like doing things last minute. Like I just like that's how buddy rolls. <laughs> that's how we roll. Just throw shit together. It's more personal. I mean, because you can get only so much out of a message. I think because I know Rush, you get tons of messages. I know Jared's getting them. I'm getting them. Like everybody has questions, but you can't. You can't get the whole story. I don't think. Like this is the best way to really get. Well, it. then you have a little interaction there too. You know. Well, there's yeah, dialogue. I mean, yeah, it's not an expert yeah. preaching his way of doing things i mean it's a little more open conversation like you do with your friends are you coming to the show right. chelsea here i am not oh I, this I'm was, not. this was going um, so good i actually this I cut her off this, like you're breaking up i can't hear you <laughs> <laughs> i'm planning on going next year i already told my husband <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Well, when you do, come pick up your free T-shirt. Yeah, we, we, we get you. I think we got a, a gift card or something for you. We'll get you sipped out. We won't get till Monday, but send it home with Scott. Scott, Chris knows who that is. I hunt with Scott. You can send it home with him. All right. He's cool. looking perplexed. We might want more details later. Just tell Scott <laughs> to come find Jason and Chris. And what, what the this secret is code? Chelsea. You were is... talking to us when you took, did a one eighty on the highway coming uh, home from the Michigan show. Okay, that's it. all right. <laughs> yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> I hunt with Chris and Scott. <laughs> the, okay. well, you just got to tell him to come to the uh, come on, find Jason at the booth, and the passcode I is, is I hunt with Scott six five four three two seven eight, and and we'll get that shirt for you. And uh, sounds we'll good. From there. All right, Chelsea, thank you for joining us. We'll. Uh, I don't know when this one's gonna gonna launch it'll be a couple of weeks but um i think it's pretty good we're just at 12 yeah. o'clock the show's starting so we got to wrap up here and go um get to work do some work yeah here. well thank you guys i appreciate it i took lots of notes um i have some ideas of things that i'm going to chart or try um so yeah thank you all for your time I check really in with us it. and check in with us that was this was a good yeah good way so yeah, let us know if how the how it works. Yeah, or it doesn't yeah. work. Oh, yeah. You guys suck. Well, if it doesn't work, right. just don't say nothing. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah. I'll yeah, keep yeah. tabs on you now that I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, have a good one, guys. We're going to end it here. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, well, that went pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's noon here. We got to go here. I'm going to do a seminar here at 3. 
So I probably at least go work a little bit and see the. I haven't seen the booth since it's been set up. I'm gonna go pick up one of those holsters before they're gone. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, we we Run got fast. them overnighted Tuesday because he called. He was like, I ship them to the to the show, and I'm like, how about you just overnight them to me, and then we'll carry them on because so we got them Wednesday or Thursday. Sure. You so we do got a luggage. Ten bags. To and then we're doing the 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 heat press T-shirt, which I'm really anxious about we're either going to get our asses kicked because we can't press shirts fast enough or it'll be the best thing ever because there's a bunch of options so something so what are these holsters are they it's like a kydex holster Mm. for a 200 you attach it to something else i'll get it we'll go look yeah so it's like a kydex pistol holder it has you put a clip and we just got the the molly clip so you could change it to the molly strapping or like a a latching belt, like if you want to put on a pack. It's like or the last five years, I've gotten like five different vests, and I spend a lot of money on one every year. Mm-hmm. My wife is getting mad because I hate every one of them. <laughs> I have this not found nice. one that I like yet. Yeah, it's got adjustable. Um, you can adjust the belt strap size, so you can go down to like the thinner straps, and it's got like little blocks in there, so it doesn't sit there and rotate. Yeah, it's pretty slick. So if, as long as you get those bars and and those molly strapping bars you know it's like those parallel bars that packs have and all that you can you can put on those you can put on a belt clip and, and we might even try to see about sometime getting a chest rig built out of it but i'm, I'm not there yet so ross good to see you face to face yeah chris thank you for joining yeah, us yeah it was fun i uh we gotta do this again like yeah said, if, uh, if nothing else we can think of a topic I'm going to leave this thing set up, so if we can think of a quick topic we're going to do for a training topic, even a short one, you know. Um, we got access here all weekend. Yeah, we got this room. Sounds good. All right.